Georgia should win that game 75-3 to if it wants to. I will pay good money this year to watch the bloodbath I'm expecting in Bobby Dodd because Georgia should run them into the ground at will. Jeff Collins will make them better in time, but this year running a pro-style offense. The roster they have right now was recruited by Paul Johnson to run a triple option, and they're going to try to go man-to-man with Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson. Good luck with that. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 175 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Today is a very special episode. It's the type of episode I've been looking to do for quite some time on this podcast. We're going to call this the Spotlight Series. It's a series of one-on-one interviews with celebrities, media members, former UGA athletes, and other significant Athens, Georgia personalities. It's well known that this podcast centers around Georgia Bulldogs football, and from the months of July to December, we have plenty of actual practice notes and games to talk about. But for the months of January through, say, June, it's been traditionally a sparsely populated area as far as episodes produced. So, Whether it's Tony, Will, myself, or some combination of the three of us, we plan on interviewing those people who write about Georgia, who've played at Georgia, and maybe somebody you've seen or heard about around Athens. Anything to bring you, our listeners, a little bit more content to consume. So I'm pleased to introduce our very first guest on the Spotlight series, Mr. Logan Booker of Cox Media. You might have heard Logan at times on the 960 The Rep Morning Show here in Athens. Logan is a University of Georgia Grady College of Journalism graduate, and one of the best Twitter follows, followers, follow, well, he might follow you, but he's good to follow on Twitter. He sat down with me, and we covered a wide range of topics, going from how he started in radio to his fond memories of the 2018 Rose Bowl game, because he was at the game, some of his famous Georgia Bulldog photography, and much, much more. His passion for UGA is on display throughout the entire interview, and make sure you stick around to the end as he answers some rapid-fire questions and makes his prediction for every single game on UGA's 2019 schedule. Might he pick the dogs to make it to the SEC Championship game for the third straight year? Stay tuned to find out. Hope you enjoy it. Here's episode 175, the Logan Booker interview. Yeah, this is Scott, like you heard in the opening. Uh, I'm here with a very special guest. This is Something I've been wanting to do for a long time uh, with waiting since last Saturday. And there's no real rhyme or reason about it, but I'm calling it the Spotlight Series. It's uh, a couple of podcasts that I'm planning on doing in the offseason, the Georgia football offseason, even though basketball and baseball are in full swing. But uh, just to find some local people, either celebrities, semi-celebrities, Georgia grads, or just anything to do with the University of Georgia and interview them. When we don't have a planned show with Will, Tony, and myself. So today, my very first guest on this is Mr. Logan Booker. Thanks for showing up, Logan. Well, I certainly fit the alumni category as far as celebrity or semi-celebrity. I can't check those off your list. But but thanks for having me. This is literally a dream come true. I've listened to you guys for... A long time. And I've always thought, you know, an opportunity to sit down with you guys. And I feel like I'm getting shortchanged without Tony and Will. But but you seem like a pretty cool guy, too. So we can we can make this happen. Well, Will is somewhere in New York interviewing yeah. someone really famous for his uh, Sports Illustrated show. And Tony's actually working uh, on campus. He's uh, he works at the law school, as, our, as many of our listeners know. And uh, he could not be here today, even though he wanted to be here. Yeah, I've, I've known Tony for several years. I think uh, back when I was in school, talking about like 2013, 14 or so, I was uh, working for Bulldog Illustrated. Kind of got to know Tony just through social media and Twitter. We've actually hung out at some drive-by truckers concerts. And uh, yeah, so I wish Tony could be here too. But I guess sometimes uh, 
the job calls before the hobby, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's that's just kind of how it, how it is with me. I work out of my home, and I, this is actually a good week. Last week for me was crazy because I had a couple of photography projects, and I was filming at uh, Terry College of Business, and really high stress. And uh, we tried to do a podcast, and I told the guys, I was like, guys, I can't do it. So yeah. uh, this week is kind of the calm before the next storm, good, if you will. But um, well, I yeah, appreciate so you having good me. Good yeah. timing, and um, it really for those five or six people who listen to waiting since last Saturday that don't know who Logan Booker is. Tell me a little bit about what you do over at Cox media. Yeah. So I, I've worked for Cox media here in Athens. I, I, like I said, I interned for bulldog illustrated throughout school and I kind of got to know a lot of folks just through, I guess your social media that, you know, dog nation is very well represented online. That's how you and I uh, met actually. Uh, but now at Cox media, I started off sort of taking a, what was a class at UGA uh, using a capstone for a shout out to Grady sports and the Grady college of journalism where I worked for them, did some writing, did some uh, you know some media coverage, going to press conferences, talking to players, putting together some multimedia packages. Uh, then a few years ago, they had an opening, basically doing midday news on WGAU. It's not even sports related. Uh, they wanted to know if I wanted to give it a shot. It was a full time you know gig there, so I, I said, hey, I've never sat in front of the microphone, never been a radio guy at all, but I can try to read some news and check it out. It was a full time role anyway, and I still got to cover sports. Uh, on the side, sort of for Cox Media, but that just kind of developed into a more full-time role, and as I got comfortable over there, I started to fill in on 960 The Ref, the morning show, uh, whenever one of those guys would be out and gave me just a golden opportunity to sit in front of a mic and talk sports just like we're doing now, uh, and learned that I really liked it. Now, during school, and I'm a very, very proud alumni of Grady College, like I said, but never once while I was there, did I think like radio is part of my future at all? But now that I'm doing it on a daily basis and I'm filling in over on 960 from time to time, it's I've really grown a passion for it. And and what I mean by that, I think specifically is is when you're in beat writing and a lot of these folks, you know, the media pool that will cover UGA, they are not UGA grads. They are not UGA fans, and that's right. by trade. You're not really supposed to be oh, really? a fan when you cover a team. Well, that, that makes me think of Mike Griffith. <laughs> okay, you know? I don't want to call any names out, but well, no, no I mean because when I yeah. listen to y'all's morning show, right? Um, I'll hear y'all interview him like on Tuesdays or Thursdays, every, every Tuesday morning yeah. and, or Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of right. get this bio, and I heard like he covered Tennessee a couple right. years ago, and he's been some other places. Mm-hmm. So. I didn't realize that. I just learned something. Yeah, no, and, and, but it does and, make sense because the fandom kind of would kind of glaze you, your uh, thought process on how you exactly. No, you you are encouraged not to be a fan. In fact, I'll tell you uh, the way the Grady Sports Program works, where I graduated from. The, the very first day you show up for class here, I don't mean to go too off the rails, but my first day in Grady Sports was late in 2013. Uh, the fall of 2013, where if you remember the timeline of UGA football, that 2012 season ending in the SEC championship was still very fresh on a lot of our minds. Right. We sit down the very first day. We don't know anybody. We don't know the professors. And they say, get your computer out without any introduction, without any, you know, let's talk about what the program is going to be. And they say that we're going to play this, you know, this, this segment of a game. And I want you to write a, a story about it. Well, lo and behold, they pull out the, the TV, the projector. They start the 2012 SEC championship game with about five minutes to go. Now, I don't need to, I right. guess, give you a, a refresher. Amari Cooper smoked our guy uh, for a late touchdown. Georgia battles back. Uh, the tipped ball, Chris Conley catches it. All of our hearts just, you know, fall through the floor. And I remember where I was that day in Midtown Atlanta, just got up and went for a walk. I had no other reaction. But I had sworn, Scott, I promised myself I was never 
ever going to watch the highlights of that game. I never wanted to really dive into what happened. But the point of Grady Sports doing that was to put some Georgia students in a room and say, this is what you guys are training to do. You are learning to cover sports and you are going to get the emotions sucked out of you. We're going to teach you to be journalists. And that, that is the initiative. And I love that initiative they do there. Uh, in fact, going forward through the rest of the program, you are not allowed to wear sports logos to class. And that includes University of Georgia gear. Even though you are an active student at UGA, you cannot wear a hat, a jacket, anything with a logo. Listen, we all love the free T-shirts we got when we went to school at UGA, but you can't even wear those because they have a logo on them. Uh, the point of it is, and you touched on this, is to make you into a professional working environment. But, but what started this whole conversation, why I love radio so much, is I don't, I'm not held to those standards. Uh, we, you know, over 960 The Ref are very much the, the voice of the dogs. We're 960 The Ref, Athens, you know, hometown radio where we are not expected to be the unbiased. If I have an opinion, good or bad, I'm going to give it to you on air. I'm going to talk. You know, I'm going to live and die uh, with UGA sports just like the fans do. And that's one thing I really thoroughly love because I think being tested out of school, I, I learned that that beat writing, that having that non-biased view just wasn't for me. And a lot of folks will, will tell you that. They tried to go into sports media. Uh, they learned it just wasn't what really got them going. They, they lose their passion for what they were doing. But when I found my way into radio, now I'm literally living my dream job every single day, getting to talk Georgia sports from, from the angle that I want to, I can have good and bad opinions. I can celebrate when things go right. I, I did the show right after the Rose Bowl a couple of year, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, I guess we're, uh, we're creeping up on that 2019 season, but it, it was just a fun, fun time and, and being able to express those kind of opinions. So I don't think I'll ever find myself back in the, the beat writing so you've realm done to beat speak. writing. I have, yeah. Well, I worked for Bulldog Illustrated, which also, by the way, I, I love those guys to death. Shout out to you know Vance Levy and Greg Poole, the guys that really do that stuff. And they, they are a biased publication. Oh, sure. And, yeah. and they should be, and they brand themselves as that. But as far as you know, doing beat writing, while I was in school, I really tried to learn. I literally, Scott, tried to make myself not – a Georgia fan. I really gave it my all to, to be that, that down the middle reporter. They wanted me to be just didn't work out for me. I, I was too strong. I'm too engulfed in the bulldog nation. I, I went to UGA, went to the Grady sports program because of my love for sports and my fandom. I admit that I'm not shying away from that whatsoever. So that's why now in radio, I couldn't be happier. So that's probably why Seth Emerson's such a good writer for The Athletic mm -hmm. covering Georgia sports is yeah. because he didn't go to Georgia. Right. And so you do read his article. You can, you can almost sense a, t a tinge of a fandom every now and mm -hmm. then, of course, because he knows the players and he has a relationship with the coaches. But he does keep it very uh, black and white right. and kind of brings it right down the middle. And he doesn't say, here's my opinion yeah. on this. He's just no, reporting exactly. it. And I'll say, Georgia fans, uh, you guys are very, very lucky. And what I mean by that is the pool of media that does cover Georgia is about as good as you get. I'm not too familiar with the other SEC media pools, but the guys that do cover Georgia sports, and you mentioned Seth Emerson, Mike Griffith, uh, Mike Griffin, I'm sorry, Chip Towers. He, Chip is a UGA alumni, but a lot of those other guys, you know, the Mark Weisers, they are not UGA alums, but they are also very, very good at covering Georgia sports. But now that you think about it, if and listen, a lot of sports fans out there and Georgia fans, it actually it bothers me. And I, I never call people out for it. If, if somebody on Twitter attacks a Seth Emerson or a Mark Weiser, like, oh, you're you're why are you? You ain't no Georgia fan. You're what of this. It's like, you know, what? that's not his job. Huh. He's not being a Georgia fan. He's being a reporter giving you the facts and, and reporting what is happening 
not his opinion on why it's happening, is if that makes sense. You know, I think that's why um, every so often Will Leach will write an mm-hmm. article uh, when he used to write for Sports on Earth, and he wrote one, wrote a couple. No, he wrote one this year for our Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast uh, website, and he does a really good job of capturing uh, the emotion of whatever's happening, like maybe right after the Auburn game or the SEC championship game, because he is a fan, mm-hmm. and he's turned into a, a huge fan. He's a, he's a season ticket holder with me, mm-hmm. but he went to Illinois. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's not a tried-and-true Georgia fan like going here. Now, right. I'm sure he would write a much different article for the, the Daily Illini or whatever right. they call right. it up there. But um, it's really interesting to me because I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah, Will, Will does a great job. And, and I, how, how would I classify Will's writing? Because he's not... I'd say prolific because yeah. he writes about eight oh, he's fantastic. articles a week. In fact, yeah. I think you were the one that pointed it out uh, when he wrote it. And after the uh, national championship game, the second and 26, that still haunts me to this day, right. uh, the article that he wrote was just perfect. And, right. and I think you were the one I saw on Twitter that said, be sure to read the final line. Uh, and what Will wrote there, he's like, you know what, this hurt, I can't say it word for word, but this hurts, uh, one day you'll be glad it hurts. And I think that would hit the nail right on the head that you're not going to get lines like that from a biased beat writer. And, and you shouldn't. And in fact, it would almost be borderline unprofessional to get that from a beat writer. But somebody like Will, who has a vested interest in the program, he's not writing. He doesn't brand himself as being, you're going to get a, a non-biased view from me. Will brands himself as exactly what he is, a fan that writes. And myself in radio, and, and I do writings every once in a while, not nearly as much as I used to, since I brand myself what I am, a fan. I'm a raging homer, just like yeah. the people that I, I talk with on air every day, then, then I'm, I, I'm enjoying doing that. But no, Will, I've, I followed Will. That's actually one reason I told you I feel like I'm getting shortchanged, that I've been following him for a long time. In fact, he came and talked to Grady Sports uh, when I was a, a student there. So if, if I could brand myself as a writer, I would love to mimic the style that Will does. It's, it's fantastic for, for what it is. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and we're not just harping on Will and praising him because he's we part of the show, but he genuinely is a good writer because right. he'll, he'll, he'll write one article about you know Albert Pujols' tenure for the Angels mm-hmm. and compare and contrast it to his tenure at St. Louis, and the next day he's writing an op-ed piece for New York Magazine mm-hmm. about the politics of uh, <laughs> Northeast New Hampshire or something. So, some folks are just sponges and they remember everything. Exactly. He takes me, he strikes me as someone like that, that you know a lot about a lot of things. I and can't if tell you have you, the voice that he does, it's, it's, it's great. I can't tell you how many times, I mean, I love camera gear. I do videography, I do photography yeah. for a living. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down on my own website to, to write a, a blog post or something about cert, a certain thing I'm really passionate mm-hmm. about. I get a couple of paragraphs into it <laughs> and I just hit close and save. The writer's you know, block and just, just never just go kicks back in, to yeah. it again. So um, that leads me to my uh, kind of the next question. Mm-hmm. You're on air. I've had a couple of cups of coffee, maybe like a K cup of coffee okay. on radio, like right. live radio back in, in college. Uh, I've did a, a quick internship at Z93. I remember that. That yeah. was a, a thing. But um, what's the best part about being on air? I know it's not the hours, like if you have to get up at 4.30 for a morning show, or maybe that is, but what's just the, the coolest part about being an on-air guy? Well, actually, it is the hours. I love being done with work at 1 o'clock true, in the afternoon. True. Is it early? Absolutely. I, I've, and, but I'm so used to it. My alarm goes off about 4.20 in the morning. Uh, I'm out of bed at 435. I'm out the door at 450. It's, it's, but I thoroughly love that. Now that I've here, here's a, a short side story. In the last year and a half, I've really embraced coffee. I was never a coffee drinker until I started really working mornings uh, for <laughs> a couple of years now, to. but now it makes me very happy. 
I, I love my cup of coffee in the how morning. Do you get, how do you take it? Uh, just black. Really? I, I've learned to like it just straight out of the bean. Just bean, water, cup. Now, your co-host down is the a big gullet. coffee fan, too, in the morning, uh, David Johnson. Yeah. Uh, doesn't he, uh, he uh, candy it up? I, I think I don't know what he does, but I know he has know a he giant cup constantly. He doesn't drink just the small, like a K-cup, like you said. He's got that thing filled. <laughs> uh, I guess one of the, the Mega Gulp, if you would. I don't think we have 7-Elevens around here, but they had the, the Mega Gulp cup. That's kind of what Dave drinks every morning, but uh, multiple times. Uh, no, I, the hours are great, but I really thoroughly enjoy... It just makes me happy to wake up and be part of other people's daily ritual, other people's entertainment, that they're waking up, their routine, whether they even think about it or not, is to hop in their car or even sit around their their kitchen table and turn the radio on. I think radio is one of those mediums that going forward, I think, is fairly safe. I think the style in which radio is going to be projected, the off-air activity that we are expected to do nowadays, and a radio station doesn't stop when the show ends. Uh, now with social media and just being you know, out in the open, you're constantly having to produce content that I think radio didn't have to up until you know, the technology boom that we're all living through right now. But radio is one of those things that I, I make the joke that as long as people drive cars, radio will be safe because that's what we do in the car. We turn the radio on. Now, people will listen to podcasts just like we're recording now, but typically in the mornings, especially that morning commute, People have their routines that is morning personalities. And I've told Dave before that when I was a student, my first year at UGA, I was actually still living in Atlanta. So I would get up a couple days a week and drive the hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes to Athens for school. And I would look forward to the time where I reached their listenership. And it was roughly around Bethlehem Winder Mm -hmm. on 316. I would finally pick them up. And I have told Dave this since then is that I felt like I knew Dave. I felt like he was a friend of mine, even though at the time I had never met Dave. Uh, and I feel like that's an opportunity with radio, especially mornings. And, and, and listen, I'm not on 960 The Ref every day, but I do WGAU with Tim Bryan. I produce his show also. That's actually my full-time job when I'm not on The Ref. Uh, but at the bottom of the hour, between 6 and 10, we talk sports for about 10 or 15 minutes, and I enjoy being part of somebody's ritual. I, I feel like and, and this is – you made the joke before we turned the – as we turned the mic on, like semi-celebrities and whatnot. It, it makes me very happy. And this happens every once in a while where someone will ask, hey, are you Logan? I listen to you in the morning. And that makes me feel so good that it's, it's not just a, hey, I, I, you're a Georgia fan too. Let's talk this. It's like I enjoy listening to you. And I, I like I said, talking sports, what we're doing here, you, me and you, Scott, is just natural. I mean, mm-hmm. We're just hanging out on a – Wednesday afternoon because there's nothing better to do and we're just talking sports and having a good time doing it but to be able to do that on a daily basis is something that I'm still surprised every two weeks they put money in my bank account as a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, it's kind of nice that I found a way to, to get paid to do what I would want to be doing anyway. Well, we're kind of doing this a similar thing, yet you're getting paid to produce <laughs> content on the radio yeah. or podcast, and, and I'm not, but uh, but that's not that's not for this There, there this are show. many success stories that started with a basement podcast. There you I go. promise there you, you go. that. So, <laughs> so give me a quick, a, a quick snapshot of mm-hmm. uh, the guys you work with, you know, especially on the 960 yeah. like a I've never really met Jeff Dantzler, mm-hmm. but I feel like I know him because I've listened to him for so long. Same thing with Dave Johnson. Uh, I've listened to him and then like Chris Brame in mm-hmm. the afternoon. So give me a quick rundown of just a snapshot of their personality. Obviously, 
Dantzler and Dave do uh, the baseball games. Mm, and yeah. Dantzler does uh, women's basketball. He's He's got the great voice, and he's, he's tried and true homer, yeah. kind of like how you explain. So but what are they like uh, if, on a daily basis? If, as far as Dantzler goes, if you picture yourself going to the UGA Special Collections Library or even the main library, and you are trying to find something specific that happened in the third inning of a baseball game in 1971 – all you have to do is Google that into the Jeff Dantzler mind, and he can spit it out to you <laughs> right away. I mean, seriously, while I hanging, that. I uh, being that. around Jeff is like being around a, a like I said, a, a Google, a, a Google home screen full of Georgia sports. Is he like the modern day Dan McGill? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a great way to put it. He knows every everything about essentially everything that's ever happened at UGA Sports, and that that projects in his personality too. I mean, there's nobody he admits. No, there's no bigger homer in Athens than, than Jeff Dantzler. He knows his stuff. He hates Georgia Tech. I, I make the joke on, uh, on my show frequently that I graduated valedictorian of the Jeff Dantzler School of Hating Georgia Tech. <laughs> uh, we could have a conversation for hours as to who is Georgia's biggest rival. Uh, I think it depends on where you grew up. Uh, I grew up in Metro Atlanta. I, for one, I'm speaking only for myself. I put Georgia Tech at number one A and one B with Florida. I hate them equally hmm. uh, in terms of just the the Georgia rival totem pole. Uh, but I, I think that's great about Jeff that he's very adamant about you know Tech's the enemy. That's what he says. You don't get a Christmas tree unless you beat Tech the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. But having him around the office is certainly a uh, just it's an encyclopedia walking around. It's it's his shows. Whether you're listening to him before, after a football game, or on air, I guess, in the afternoons on 960, you're, you're hanging out with a historian. And as far as Dave, that's who I know the most working. He's also a big Georgia guy. You know, he graduated from Grady College also. And it's, it's like I said, when I say I'm surprised that opportunities when I get to go to work and talk sports with somebody, it's like sitting down with your friend talking Georgia football. Like, if, if there's people out there, plenty of them, that get to work and sit down and say, man, I wish I could just call my buddy and talk Georgia football. Mm-hmm. But we found a way to get paid doing that. So it's, it's good stuff. As far as Brain, Brain is, is also great energy, uh, uh, great, great chemistry with, uh, with Dancer. Very quiet around the office. I'll well, say that he doesn't. He doesn't pair it up with yeah. Dancer. He's kind of got to be the straight man. Yeah, he. I, I actually, to be honest, with you, I rarely have uh, run-ins with Brain because I'm usually gone by the time sure. he gets in there. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's. I, I think the team at 960, and I mentioned a second ago that Georgia fans are very lucky to have the media pool they have covering Georgia because of how good they are at it. Hey, I do get a paycheck from 960, but I will say Georgia fans are also very lucky to have the talent they've amassed over there covering Georgia football because back to the whole radio versus beat writing thing I think that they really do a good job of making you the listener feel like hey we're going to hang out with buddies every single day and talk Georgia sports and I'm, I'm lucky that every once in a while I get to be a part of that yeah and it's always to me and this is my own personal opinion if I am in the car and I'm, I'm listening to 960 for a while when it goes off at 10 a.m. and then you get like Dan Lebetard or it used to be mm-hmm. Colin Cowherd, it's kind of like a buzzkill a little yeah. bit because then I'm listening to them argue about like uh, Steph Curry and <laughs> the Splash Brothers, which that's cool, but I don't need a 30-minute segment yeah. on, on national sports. So I tend to always gear towards local sports. And I think mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people do. You know, the Atlanta stations do a good job, but sometimes they veer off towards uh, you know a topic that I don't really yeah. care about. So I always know that I'm going to get what I want when I'm tuning in either in the morning or the afternoon on 960. Yeah, yeah local is king. We, they preach that to us. If you follow any of our social media, you'll get local first and foremost. And if there's really – listen, there's there's slow days in every industry. Sports is not uh, immune to that whatsoever. You'll get some national stuff. But 
we are preached by our guys, our social media team, and, and even on air that local is king. Yeah. And and I would love, I think we as a as a station would love to have round the clock local shows. It's just sometimes it's not feasible to do so. So I, I would love in my vision of nine six, I would love to have multiple shows midday. But but that's there's a lot that goes into that. So hopefully one day, one maybe day. one day we can uh Stop! Stop the simulcast and, and throw me and you there at ten o'clock. How about that? How yeah, about how yeah, about we'll the Logan it. and Scott show from ten to one? We'll have to we'll have day. to workshop <laughs> the name. But, oh, that, uh, that name's not going to sell anything. <laughs> yeah, no. Throw Will in there and it'll it'll be gold. Well, will Will whatever Will touches yeah, is right. gold because that's why uh, that's why we started the podcast. Yeah. Shout out to you, Will, because he he does listen, so it's good, good. to kind of kind of build him up because he's probably taking a left on like Bloomfield during his run around five points or something right now. So well, I think it was a, it was a month ago or so, I guess it was during bowl season. I finally got this notification on Twitter and it was like, you got a new follower and it was will. And I had to stop. I was like, finally, and after years. So since then I've tried to be careful. I don't want to do anything to make him unfollow me now. So right, I got to, right. I got to make sure I tweet good quality content so I can keep him on board. Well, that's a, that's a good segue <laughs> into what I kind of wanted to talk about next. Um, first thing, mm-hmm. first things first, uh, before we get into social media, you and I, uh, we have not discussed this previously, but I just know it. You and I are equally mm-hmm. as much of an Atlanta slash Georgia homer. Right. And we're, we're very vocal about that because like on this podcast for years, for the, the four years we've been producing this, I've always lamented the fact, especially to Will, like, hey, it's just how it goes when it comes to the Braves or the Falcons or the Hawks who just never seem to get it in gear. And then the crushing defeat in 2012 and then the loss in the national championship and some losses before then in the 15 and 16 years. And then this past season, and he's kind of done a good job of muting Mm. that self-hate when it comes to Georgia or Atlanta losses. I mean, kicking the Super Bowl loss. Um, that's the worst of them all, if you <laughs> how is Are we on an island, or are we the primary personification of people that have grown up here in the metro Atlanta or Georgia or Athens area who love Atlanta sports teams and Georgia sports teams? That's the thing. is I Georgia sports or Atlanta sports like you and I, we have this reputation all across the country. You guys are not good sports fans. You guys are yeah, Atlanta's a horrible ESPN, sports. Linda Cohn, I think of, you know, when she would talk about the Braves mm. attendance for a Houston Astros first round game. Yeah. Well, here here's the thing where the, I think they have it dead wrong. I think Atlanta folks that grew up in Atlanta Metro or even out here in Athens, I think we are phenomenal sports fans. And and we're just tortured. We are tortured beyond belief. I I've we've seen lists. I think Will maybe even wrote these the most tortured fans <laughs> yeah. in all of sports. And then Georgia fans or Atlanta fans are right at the top of that thing. Uh, consistently, but but my point of that is that I think we love our teams. I think that we're so accustomed to getting our hearts broken that for some reason, folks on the outside, and we'll just use the Northeast as an example, they look down at Atlanta sports fans and they're like, "Oh, they're they're not good fans." And and but the thing is, is you're basing that off what's in the trophy case, not what's in our hearts. We love our teams. I, I grew up a Braves fan. You know, I was I was in like third grade or so in 1991 when the Braves got really good. I live and breathe Braves baseball. But every single season, this one included, where I think the Braves are going to be a pretty good ball club. If you tell me right now, hey, I think the Braves have a good chance at winning the World Series. Ha! Bless your little heart. That that's what comes to my mind. We could we could be the the odds on favorite. Uh, look at Atlanta United for an example. Now, yes, they did just give us a little bit of glory. I'm, I'm still reveling in Atlanta United's big MLS Cup win. But even right now, if you look at a lot of projections, there's a lot of people out there picking, oh, Atlanta United is the real deal. They're going to repeat. 
instantly my mind goes to, yeah, right. It's an Atlanta sports team. Like, we're not going to win that thing. Like, the Falcons coming up, I think, have a chance to be a very good football team if it can stay healthy. But even those that say, oh, this is the Falcons year. No, it's not. You know why? Because there's an Atlanta right before their name. And I, to be honest with you, Scott, I even feel that way about Georgia football. Yeah. I think Georgia football, and I have said this on many shows I do, that this we are now in a window where we are as good as anybody. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia has equal chance as Alabama, as Clemson, as Ohio State to step up and be that dominant force in football. But because the way I'm trained to think about my sports teams – I will sit there in my mind like, absolutely not. Georgia's not going to win a national championship this year. You know why? Because they're the Georgia Bulldogs. They're, they're just not going to do it. Uh, that's just, I'm just trained. I think we as Atlanta sports fans are just so used to misery. And, and, and But the thing is, it's not misery. And, and here's the thing that I think a lot of people get messed up is, oh, your team sucks. Atlanta team sports suck. We, we've never really sucked. We just haven't capitalized at right. the end. And there's a big difference in being there. Well, think about the Braves. And being awful. They were there. The Falcons have been to two Super Bowls. Yeah. The Cardinals have never been. Well, no, they've been. The Cleveland Browns have never been. The Cardinals have been to one. My boys always ask me during football season, they're like, which teams have never been to the Super Bowl? And I'm like, the Lions, (laughs) you know, the Browns. And, you know, you just kind of go through it. So we've been there. Right. And the same thing with the Braves. The Hawks really haven't. They lost to the Celtics back Mm -hmm. in Dominique's one of his years when they were almost to the finals. But it's just that scar tissue is the mm-hmm. way I describe it. Yeah. It's that we want to be there. Uh, even this past year when we were playing against Alabama, once that Jalen Hurts phenomenon <laughs> started happening, you, yeah. know, you just kind of slowly go into your, it was, your It's cave. familiar. You know exactly what's going to happen because right. we've seen it over and over and over. Do you think that's why, even though it wasn't the championship, that's why we're holding on to that Rose Bowl so much? Mm-hmm. It's because... We were down by 17 or however many in the 17, first point yeah, yeah. In, the, in the first half. And it, the, to come back and win the granddaddy of them all, it, it's almost a shame that we had to wait. We only had six days to prepare for the next yeah. game. It would have been good if it was like a two-week reveling in that. But maybe that's why the Rose Bowl victory, where, where a lot of outsiders would say, it's just a bowl game. You didn't. You lost no, the championship. That thing was not just a bowl game. <laughs> yeah. to, to your point, I mean, yeah, we as Georgia fans love that thing. I, I was very, very fortunate to be able to go to it with my family. My wife and her parents all made a trip to L.A. We got tickets. We toured around L.A. for a day or so. Uh, then the game itself, we don't have to recap what happened. Right. We all know it off the top of our heads. But I look back at that trip so fondly, so incredibly. Like That was, to me, the pinnacle of my sports fandom's life, even though I was very alive and, and capable of remembering the Braves winning the 1995 World Series. I was, let's see, seventh grade when that happened, just a boy. But, uh, but that was a great day in my sports life. But the Rose Bowl, I think hands down, like you said, is something that we will grasp onto forever. And like six days was, was not enough to really revel in that before we got gut punched again. <laughs> yeah. But I do believe that that Rose Bowl win and how we did it, just the nostalgia we had for that team, being that it was senior Sony Michelle that, that ran that ball into that end zone. And a lot of people forget he's the one that fumbled. Yeah, oh, he redeemed himself and big time. That was right. the redemption story. It, it, it was the perfect game. It was something that you and I, and, and let's use it as an example, that fumble. I think at that point, even in the stands, and you may have done the same thing, kind of looked to our wives and said, here it goes. Here we go. Here's what we're used to. Georgia sports. You can see what I felt because you saw that video. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. It was, yeah, like it was a great palpable, video. Palpable feeling. But yeah. I think that's why that did so much traction, not to toot my own home too, too mm-hmm. much, but that's why that video got so much traction because all the comments, even, even still, if you read it, it was yeah. like, 
that was what we felt. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's, was the case. You know, yeah. when we went down after coming back and tying it, it was kind of like, here yeah. it comes. And then that's why that elation in that second overtime, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're sitting there chanting for them to block the punt. What do you know? Lorenzo Carter gets a hand in, and then the most un- improbable thing happens. As, as, as soon as Lorenzo got his big mid on that ball, and, and we knew it was blocked, it, it took me half a second, all of us, to realize, oh, my God, we're a score away from winning this thing. Mm-hmm. It's our ball, and we're already in field goal range. We've got Rodrigo, who just knocked that 55-yarder. Uh, he's feeling it. He's good. We're, we got this thing. And a funny story about that is the very first play – of double overtime was what was that uh, uh, DeAndre Swift three yard loss to the right so all of a sudden it's it's for our second and thirteen and Sony Michelle lines up in that wild dog formation and I looked at my wife and I'm just thinking worst case scenario all of a sudden I, I grabbed her arm and I was like what are we doing what this is not okay because I think visions in my head went right back to the 2011 Capital One Bowl I think it was wow okay. uh, Georgia and Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Georgia, the first or second time we played them? I think it was the, uh, the it was second time. we lost. We, we did lose. That's, that's okay. the thing is okay. we got to overtime. We intercepted a ball. We're one field goal away, but the f- next three plays we lose yardage, lose uh, yardage, lose yardage. Blair Walsh missed the field goal, but that's where my mind went. Yeah, when we yeah. went in that wild dog, I've never been a big fan of that formation, even though Nick Chubb tied the game on a wild dog at the end of regulation in the Rose Bowl. But I, I looked at my wife and I grabbed her arm. I was like, this is not okay. What are we doing? This is a horrible play call. And of course, a couple seconds later, we're crying and, and dancing as as Sony Michelle ran that ball into the end zone. So uh, that that's the funny story I tell is that I was not on board with the game winning call, even though now it's one of my favorite plays in the history of Georgia football. But but back to your thing, really quick, I wanted to just kind of make this point. I've made to other people too about that Rose Bowl. I think we as Georgia fans. And maybe the players feel similarly, but I think we as fans feel sort of like we won the Masters. I think the Rose Bowl being the granddaddy of them all, being that prestigious, Mm -hmm. historic, elegant. I I see a lot of parallels with like the the atmosphere around the Masters Golf Tournament like I do around the Pasadena and and the Rose Bowl on January 1st. It's a game that Georgia, the, the program and its fans honestly have no business being at. Because it is the Big Ten Pac-12 tie-in. Now, obviously, every three years now, with the playoff, anybody can make it there. So it's not like it's impossible that Georgia will ever go back. In fact, it's likely over the next window if, if Kirby Smart keeps things up. But the fact that we were there uh, in, a, in a foreign territory, if you would. In fact, I remember being there seeing fans in the stadium decked out in like Michigan gear. I think I saw a Washington fan because that's their bowl game. That's not our bowl game as an SEC fan, but to be there under the prestigious aura that comes along with that thing, and we won it the way we won it, I now own multiple things, and I buy, to be honest with you, some nice clothes, some nice pullovers with the Rose Bowl logo on it because that is my green jacket now. I think that is my green jacket I can wear for the rest of my life, that Rose Bowl logo to me. And, and not unique to me, by the way, I think to all Georgia fans, whether you were there or whether you were watching at home like you were with your family, that logo will always, until the day you die, hopefully 50, 60 years from now, will be special to you. I think you just summed it up pretty good because... We won the Masters You together. know, you might lose the Tour Championship, but hey, you won the Masters. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not exactly the same, but that's, that's yeah. kind of what it let, is. Let's say, what is it, 2021, I think, or uh, the next season that the Rose Bowl will be part of the playoff. Let's, let's, let's go to a dark place for a second, Scott. Georgia gets back there. Georgia loses by 27 points, gets blown out of the water. That will change nothing about my view of that 2017 season when we went there and won that thing. So, so no matter what happens the rest of my life, 
uh, with Georgia and the Rose Bowl, we've already won it. You know, I found myself rooting, you know, when I was looking at the bowl projections going into 2019 and Texas and Oklahoma were playing in the, basically it was going to either be Texas or Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. We were pretty much going to be in the Sugar Bowl. I was rooting against an Oklahoma-Georgia matchup. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was going to be too soon. And yeah, we laid an egg against Texas, but it would have been far worse Mm -hmm. laying an egg against Oklahoma about a year after that monumental win. We had the exact same mindset. It was too soon. I I didn't want, and was it fear of losing? Perhaps. I mean, yeah, I didn't want to lose to Oklahoma. Even a win, if it was a a yawner of a game, it would have taken something away. Sure. It's like, I don't want to play Oklahoma again for another 25 years. We'll we'll see him maybe in the Rose Bowl in 2045. That's a perfect (laughs) time frame to get back with him. But uh, the thing is, is, is the Oklahoma fans that I met in Pasadena were so amazingly happy to be there just like we were. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I, I've got personal opinions. I did not like Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, or the, the personality on the field. I thought he was a me, me, me player. But the fact is, and you have to step back and realize that Oklahoma fans love that guy like we love Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. I mean, it's just fandom. That's sports. Uh, the point is, though, the Oklahoma fans were so gracious that I dealt with. We were sitting on the Georgia side, but the family directly behind us, like they were a Oklahoma family, they were having a great time, cordial the entire game. We shook hands and, and, and wished each other well at the end of that thing, even though they were heartbroken and we were on top of the moon. But I gained respect for Oklahoma and its fans by being there and seeing that. I love, I love those experiences that are outside the social media world where everything seems so combative, so hostile, mm-hmm. because when you put yourself into the real world, it's not that way. It's really not. You can go anywhere. And as long as you're cordial to other people, you're probably going to get the cordial, you know, feeling returned your way. But back, back to the whole thing, Georgia and, and Oklahoma playing each other anytime soon. Had it been Oklahoma in the sugar bowl. Yeah, I think you're right. Win or lose. I just want to keep that Rose Bowl memory on the top shelf for at least a couple more years before we tangle with those guys again. But but Ugga would have appreciated Bevo not being there. No, sure. So, yeah. Wow, that was almost a, a disaster. <laughs> that, that, I, I saw some reporters that could have gotten speared or, yeah, and then Ugga could yeah. have gotten – could you imagine? I, don't even, I think we talked about that on a past <laughs> podcast. That was like, wow. I mean, No, we, we, we're so fortunate that, that I mean, we, we had can, Ralphie in Sanford Stadium and he acted correctly. You know, exactly. The, he, he came and brought his A game. But no, you're right. That – we are lucky that we're able to laugh about that. Yeah. That could have been one of the worst things that's ever happened on television right. was Ugga getting gored by this big cow in the middle of New Orleans Superdome. That so could have been credit. really – pretty quickly. He, he had some moves, man. He did. If he was a, a Bulldog recruit or like a – for English Bulldogs, I'd give him at least a four-star. Yeah. Because that his reaction time was just – I don't know. He, he could be four. If he goes to a couple camps, I think he can knock himself up to a five-star. Well, talking about social media, mm-hmm. I, I was reading your Twitter profile, and um, you know it talks about where you work and everything, and your podcast, the Second String Podcast yeah. with Walker, which y'all should uh, subscribe to. But I, I, I like what you put last. It says, 651 days <laughs> since arguing with a stranger online. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I get that because I I pretty much practice, and it's, it's very well known to anybody that follows uh, this podcast that I don't talk politics right. or I don't get into arguments. I'll tweet funny little jabs to Auburn fans every now and then, mm-hmm. which I, which I've, I've, I really enjoy. So what are the joys <laughs> that you get from social media and what are some of the drawbacks? Yeah. Well, by the way, that bio, the, uh, the counter, what is it? What is it? 651 days today. That is part of my morning ritual. That's not a joke. That is you an actual, every, day. every single morning when I'm having my coffee and getting settled into work, uh, when I'm doing social media posts for some of our stations, that's part of my checklist is to update my counter 
in my bio. And, and it's very real. And in 651 days ago, I don't specifically remember what kind of argument I was having with somebody or even what it was about. But I finally at that point was like, this is silly. Like we are arguing with strangers and we're getting our blood pressure arised over it. And we're arguing back whether it was, and listen, I I'm guilty of this in the past. A lot of people are, you get fighting with other like Georgia fans Mm -hmm. about things where if you two were in a bar somewhere or having a sit down conversation, your tone would be so incredibly different. Like I said, a few minutes ago, where if you take yourself out of the world of social media, you'll realize this world is full of amazingly kind people. But for some reason, when they get online, and I'm not speaking for everybody, obviously, but people tend to get more combative and start fighting with one another. But that day, I decided, like, you know what? I'm, I'm done arguing. I'm, I'm not going to respond to anybody that has a differing opinion, somebody trying to get a rise out of me. I'm going to flat out one simple rule. Don't respond. Yeah. Do not respond. Don't give them any kind of answer. Everything. In, in fact, I'll, I'll say this, and I, I like to think this. And uh, if somebody is really wanting to pick a fight with you, and, and online, and they come after you, and they'll attack you personally about sure. you or your family or anything, just imagine anything. The zero response. I'm talking the flat out. They're talking to a brick wall. I think that infuriates them more than if you were to come back and try to engage that person in, in some sort of just ticky tack argument. So I, I like to remember that sometimes. But and listen, I. I In my realm of work, what I do, I've branded my social media, my Twitter account as being talking about Georgia sports, UGA specifically. There's going to be all the time a difference of opinion by Georgia fans, by non-Georgia fans. Well, I've seen you. You're not afraid to dish it out. I saw how – I mean I think you probably – this morning and I haven't checked, but you probably tweeted about the Saints – not making the Super Bowl probably again, it's, we should every single do, day. You right? do take joy, and you, you do you do take plenty but, of jabs. And but here's you're the thing: just able to withstand I, it. I have no problem expressing my opinion. That's what social media is, and that's what I enjoy about it. And you asked what I like about it. I enjoy having a voice. I enjoy that if I have an opinion that I really, or even a witty comment that I want to share, I don't have to keep it to myself. Uh, you and I, prime example. I, I consider you a friend, and this is only the second or third time we've sat down together because social media has bridged our connection. Um, But being able to have a voice, have a witty opinion, I think I took a stab at Florida fans yesterday because they love to say that, you know, oh, Kirby Smart can't develop a quarterback. Well, you know, Jake Fromm's done pretty good under Kirby Smart for a couple years now, chasing off other five stars. Uh, Things like that I'll point out, but fans of Florida perhaps will say, oh, I have a problem with what he's saying. I'm going to come after him and we're going to engage in this big argument online. Well, not for me or not, because I'm not going to engage in that. If I want to voice my opinion, if somebody wants to talk about it with me and we have a cordial conversation, we can certainly do that. But if somebody comes maliciously with the intent, and I can tell right away, if you're here to pick a fight, I have no problem flat out ignoring you. Are you blocking people? I, 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 I will mute somebody if they're personal. Right. If they come after you like personally outside the realm of the conversation, the sports we're having, I have no problem hitting that mute button right away. What that does essentially is make somebody, they don't know I've muted you. Right. They could for the rest of their life, tweet at me five times a day. I'm never going to see it. So they don't realize that. Do you think that's better than the block? I I think so because the block's almost like a a trophy. It is. I think if you're a real troll, and, and people out there just thoroughly enjoy trolling folks. I think when they get blocked, they feel like they got a rise out of you. Yeah. They they'll, feel they'll, like they'll retweet it. Exactly. They take a point of pride in that. So I think the mute, 
Uh, I worked for a publication years ago that had something called a bozo button uh, in the comments underneath the section. And if you activated the bozo button on them, I think it was like 30 minutes where they were the only person that could see their comment. They don't realize that nobody else is seeing it, but they're basically screaming into a black hole. Uh, But I do think my policy, and it started off, you know, listen, I wanted to engage when I first started that thing. But now that I've gone, let's do the math, 651 coming up on a couple years, I guess, or close to a couple years, I genuinely believe my mental health is better. I I think if you adopt a policy like that, that you are not going to engage in ticky-tack arguments with folks that only want to get a rise out of you, I think I'm a healthier person because of it. I I have no problem, like I said, let's talk some sports. If you want to have a differing opinion, let's do it in a cordial, real-life way. Let's not... Stump to uh, listen I, without calling out names. We have politicians and celebrities that they abuse social media by making it this combative, hostile atmosphere. But the real world's not like that. And, yeah. and unfortunately, I think so many people think that the real world is just like Twitter and social media, but it's not. It's not at all. I, I make the joke a couple times. If you want to see how kind the world is, go to the quick trip around the corner and stand by the front door. Everybody holds the door for everybody and everybody says thank you to everybody. That is so much more accurate a picture of this world than if you open up Twitter and see who's fighting about what. That's a great point. Yeah, I try to make it a a constant thing with me whenever I'm tweeting something. I like to tweet... Not that I'm always happy or like, you know, have my head in the clouds, mm-hmm. but I figure that's a platform that I'm going to choose for positivity, you know, and also humor. And, and like sure. I said, I'm not afraid to take a jab at an yeah. Auburn fan, but that's not personal and it's not affecting really anybody's life. It's just showing homerism in a sports if, franchise. If you want to take a jab at Auburn, for instance, like I, 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 I'll, one stands out to me. I remember taking a jab when we beat the crap out of Auburn in Sanford Stadium I made it an ongoing joke, okay? It was, it, was, uh, it was, I've never seen so many Auburn fans leaving this unhappy since the day they were denied admission into the University of Georgia. That That's a, a fun college joke, okay? <laughs> However, I had to mute a lot of people on Twitter that day because Auburn fans caught wind of that thing and they weren't too happy about it. But did I respond to a single one of them? My counter's at 651. That was not that long ago. Well, so I mean, no, it's a I true not. statement. It first. is, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I've, I've, I've championed that statement uh, and, and, many times in and, the past. And here's where Twitter, by the way, gets it, gets it uh, miscon- or contorted because that is a joke. Okay, I've said that when the day comes that we as alumni of whatever school you went to, whether it's the University of Georgia, Auburn, Georgia Tech, Florida, anywhere, if we can't make stabs about the academics of other colleges, then that's a world I don't want to live in. Yeah. Okay. It's just, that's just the fabric of being an alumni or just a fan of a college. We like to make, do we mean it? Do I mean that? Oh, every one of those guys wishes they went to Georgia. I couldn't get into Georgia well, kind of, but, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, 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 it's not fact. It's a joke. Right. So, uh, so I want to always be able to joke about that stuff. So another question on social media, I guess you're, you're primarily on Twitter and Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I, I have a Facebook, but I keep that my like real personal. circle yeah, of friends. I get that. That's kind of how Facebook yeah. works. You yeah. know, Instagram's more for anybody and Twitter's more mm-hmm. for anybody. I, one thing I've always wanted to ask you about, um, and I guess by being a photographer and filmmaker, mm-hmm. I tend to notice things like this. You're, you have a famous picture that you've taken of Sony Gurley and Chubb yeah. uh, that you were on the field for. Mm-hmm. And then also there was one last year in spring practice or fall camp 
of uh, Elijah Holyfield's yeah. arms, and people would take that photo <laughs> and reproduce it and change it and everything. And I, I kind of noticed without really commenting on it. I kind of noticed you kind of took umbrage with a few of those people. So how do you handle your intellectual property that you've taken? Because, I mean, some people would license that. Yeah. Um, how did you handle those two dust-ups? Do you just kind of just deal with it and realize, hey, this is the Internet in 2019? Or how do you, how do you handle that? It's, it's, it's very easy for people to take pictures that we've taken and, and use them as their own. In fact, a lot of folks genuinely do not realize that a photographer owns the rights to a picture they've taken and they will take it and use it with zero malicious intent. And in those kind of situations, I really don't have a problem with it at all. Uh, I did have an instance with that Sony Chubb girly picture back during the Super Bowl. In fact, I'll, I'll go ahead and say uh, the NFL network reached out to me and said, do you mind if we use this photo when some of our TV shows are running because they asked about it? I said, absolutely feel free to do so. I'm, I'm honored that you did so. I didn't get any compensation from them. And the reason being, and this, this is sort of the world we live in now. I knew when they asked that question, if I had said, well, yeah, let's, let's come up with some terms on when you can use it. They would have immediately said, no, thanks. We'll find the next person that's going to give it to you for free. So I basically was happy to let them do that. Uh, for a publicity reason. I said, as long as you say Logan Booker slash Cox Media or, or 960 The Ref, whatever it was that they used, that's enough for me to be satisfied. There was another a restaurant. I'm not going to call them out by name because I do like the restaurant, but I I was browsing through some things and found they used that picture of the three running backs as part of a promotional pamphlet. Pamp- excuse me, pamphlet, get my words out there, uh, for an advertisement to say, hey, come on out and watch the game and eat wings in this. And, and But there was the picture right there. I sent them a very nice, very professional you know, email saying, hey, you know, I've got other folks that are you know, licensing that for the week. You know, is there anything we can do? And they were very quick to say, hey, how about a $250 bar tab? And I said, okay, yeah. that works. I'll okay. do that. So, nice. so my friends and I went down the Saturday before the Super Bowl in ha- or we visited that restaurant and we ate a whole bunch of food and had some drinks for, for free, essentially. Awesome. So, so there are ways where you can, you know, professionally ask people not to use it. But as far as, you know, any Georgia fan that sees that on Twitter, if they want to use it or tweet it, it doesn't bother me whatsoever. Right. It's, 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 there's not basically if you're not making money off of it. I'm flattered that you want to use it. It, It's okay. Now, as far as the Elijah Holyfield, that was a whole different can of worms because what that was just, just a quick snapshot of what we do is, you know, media, when we cover a Georgia practice, they give us roughly nine to 12 minutes to go out there. You may have seen other people complain about this as well. They, we don't see much. We see them go through just like stretch drills or, or a footwork drill. We do not see, X's and O's and coverage. So when people come back and ask, say, hey, you know, how's Michael Hardman looking? Is he is he getting open? It's like, I don't know. We didn't have any defenders on him the whole time we were out there. So but anyway, long story short is we get that brief time period to take as much picture if we're if we have a camera, take as many pictures as you can, as many observations. Well, one of I don't know, when I'm out there for that amount of time, I probably take 300 pictures or so. I'm just real, real, just snap, 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 snap. So that one individual picture as I'm scrolling through was a pretty good framed, well-in-focus shot of Elijah Holyfield. And the first thing that stood out to me, and I think anybody that looks at it is, my God, look at those guns. That dude is stacked. I'm talking about his biceps, obviously. And, and I tweeted it out. I was like, you know, Elijah Holyfield's not skipping arm day or just right. something <laughs> witty like that. And, yeah. and, and as sometimes things do, they go viral. A lot of folks saw that and were like, oh, God, look at this. Look at this workout he's done. But when it goes viral to a certain level, 
other publications will start picking it up. And then that's where you get back into that, like, are they making money off of it or are they just using it for fun? I do not know and I would love to find out who did this first. But they took that picture of those massive Holyfield guns that we all love so much as Georgia fans and for some reason felt the need to blow them up and make them look bigger. <laughs> right. And and to the point where it was cartoonish, it was just like, holy crap. But the problem is, is that doctored photo then went viral and some big time legit publications were using the doctored version as like, check out Elijah Holyfield or no one's going to tackle this guy. And, and But they weren't using it for promotional purposes. They were just using it online. And here I am, the photographer, like scrambling, being like, no, 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 that's not the real picture. But there's no way to, to reach out to the, you know, the, some of the mothership networks and be like, that's not the right photo. And, and I'm talking some really big publications. I mean, some four letter networks, if you would, were mm-hmm. using uh, that doctored photo. And I'm like, that's, that's not correct. So I, I think I made a, another tweet of the two side by side. And I was like, listen, guys, don't be fooled by this. It's still a very impressive feat of nature for Elijah to be stacked like that, but don't fall victim to the, the cheap Photoshop. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, but still either way, when pictures like that, do go viral. It, it makes me feel good that I'm able to capture something that interests so many people. It's, it's something that somebody else is finding joy out of to see that they want to share it with somebody else. Like, like the picture of the three running backs, by the way, at the time when I took that, I specifically, for some reason, I've, I've taken thousands upon thousands of pictures. Uh, I've done a lot of sideline work during games, but I remember specifically taking that picture it was the, the pregame before the Georgia-Clemson game, 2014, the season opener. And uh, we knew Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle were big names. They had yet to take a college snap. But I saw – they don't do this anymore, but you like to get to the games early. They, they used to raise their helmets up and sort of walk with the, uh, the fanfare like toward the end zone. And, in fact, I, I don't think they do that during warm-ups anymore, but they, were, they went into that mode. I was on the field. And I saw Todd Gurley right in the middle raise his helmet up and then right to either side. I think it was Sony to his left, mm-hmm. Nick Chubb to his right. And, and those, those were always good pictures, by the way, of the players holding up that helmet. There's just something reverent about it where you're about to go to battle, but you're like holding your helmet up and you're signifying to the fans and the rest of the, the team that we're in this together. I've always liked you know that moment when they did that, but to see the two running backs to the side – and I, I even remember thinking, I was like, oh, that's going to be a picture fans are going to like to see because these are two running backs that we don't know much about, but we have a lot of hope for. And obviously at that time, we all loved Todd Gurley. He was going into his junior year. Is that when Nick ran out of his shoe? Yep, that okay. was that game. That was that was Nick's first game. And then Sonny Michelle, I, I, don't, I don't think he scored a touchdown that game, but he got in the game. He mm-hmm. was doing some stuff early on, but... Uh, but then I remember going back after the game. So I, don't, I didn't go through my photos until afterwards, and I found that. I didn't think much about it. It was just sort of like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then, but it was a couple of years later when Nick and Sony really turned into Nick and Sony that we know uh, that somebody else you know, brought it up. And I actually I, I saw it. Somebody tweeted. I couldn't tell you who it was. And I was like, hey, that, that's a picture I took. And then I, even at the moment, I had that realization like, that's a pretty cool photo. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't remember that I had it to be honest with you. But now I went back on my hard drive. I keep all the uh, pictures I have. So, so here's the thing about that picture: is is one good thing about social media, you can take that picture if you want, uh, you or anybody else from my Twitter, from a Facebook. But that is a really condensed 
packed in tight version of it. So if you wanted to print that, it's not going to look very good. It's it's going to come out, you know, pixels Pixelated, and all that right. stuff. It's going to look really blurry. But you have the raw file. I have the raw file, the high definition. I can print that thing as big as I want and it'll look beautiful. So if somebody, and, and yes, I own the rights to that thing. So I guess down the road or even now, if I wanted to sell those things, I guess I could. I, I don't really have the need to right now. So if somebody even listening to this podcast, if you want it, reach out to me. We can we can come up to very cheap terms and I'll get you a copy of that photo if you want that for your man cave. I'm, I'm, I'm looking around my hand right now. I'm looking around <laughs> your man cave right now. It would look really good in that corner uh, right yeah, over that, there. Yeah, that's but. old. That needs to be replaced right there. <laughs> but yeah, taking pictures, and I've taken several over the years that I consider my favorite. I think another one from that exact game, uh, Todd Gurley's 100-yard kickoff return against Clemson. Mm-hmm. I was laying on my stomach. Uh, in the end zone behind him. And I got one, in fact, I got, I lucked into two very good shots. One of them was him waiting on the kickoff. And I was down on the ground, literally my camera, like touching grass, looking back up. So I got this picture where Todd Gurley looks bigger than the stadium. It looks like he's standing in this little tiny stadium uh, waiting on the kick. And I thought it came out really good. But then during the return, obviously we have no idea when we first start shooting the, the, the series that it's going to be a big turn. But lo and behold, it came out where he's just like splitting the sea. It's, it's symmetrical. He's getting two blocks from two different people. It looks like a, a swans flying in a V of other players, just blocking Clemson players. And there's Todd Gurley right in the center. You read his name nice and clear and, just and that's gone. that famous uh, video clip from the Skycam. They have yeah. a really good clip that you'll see every now yeah. and then. It was like a party of the season. Yeah. I mean, he was barely touched. If you, in fact, if you want to pull that up after this, I'll show you me laying on my oh, stomach okay. on that that clip. It's actually kind of fun. So, uh, but yeah, over the years, and you do a lot of photography as well. You find you just luck into moments. Anybody can take a camera and get lucky. My wife, by the way, I, you've, you've mentioned this. We were at the Gator Bowl. This was when we played Penn State. What year was that? The 2015 season because Mark Rick was already fired. It was uh, McClendon, McClendon was the coach that day. I got her a press pass because it was a very low-demand game. Sure. The tax slayer bowl had no problem. Oh, you want to bring your wife? Sure, that's more coverage. Feel free to bring your wife. So I got her a pass. Uh, a photographer friend we know gave her a fisheye lens. Uh, if, if you're listening, you probably know what that is. And they, they take really cool angles of photos. But probably she, like a 14 millimeter, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but she, as we say, serendipitous moment, lucked into Malcolm Mitchell's touchdown, which was thrown by Terry Godwin, by the way. Uh, Terry Godwin threw like a 52-yard touchdown, but he's catches the ball, Malcolm Mitchell, he does his little dance. She happened to snap that picture right in front of her. She doesn't know what she's doing. It's one of the favorite pictures, my favorite pictures that we, I guess I have to say we, not me, has taken on the sideline, and she did it. And even in the background on the Jumbotron is her taking the picture. That's right, that's it's, right. It's like this like universe you're staring into. Like There's a great picture and in that picture is me taking the picture. I'm really jealous of that is shot. Is that framed in your house somewhere? It's not. You need to frame I have that. the raw frame. I, I can't. I, I, I just go to for Sam's and put that thing out yeah, for 20 bucks. I do need to. That's, oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. So, All right. So what I want to get into now are just some rapid fire. Okay. I always like to do something kind of fun at the end. Just real short answers and we'll just kind of move on. Most of them revolve around Georgia football, but then there's some... A couple of random things, so we'll try to get through this in about 10 minutes Let's do or so. It. Starting off, uh, Georgia football. You know how you and I are about uniforms and everything, yeah. and I, get a, I take a lot of flack <laughs> for uniform. I'm with you, Scott. Um, as brief as you can put it, what is acceptable, and what would you never want to see again? Acceptable is in like, like... Uniform changes from the traditional red... I, 
I, you and I both, and I, I'm adamant about this. I love with a capital L O V E the black jerseys right. with the red helmet, the silver bridges. I think it is a phenomenal look. I do not want it. I want it to be special. If I had to design it where I think I could make most fans happy, I think I would wear them either a night game in October, no matter who the opponent is, or, or November. It has to be fall. It has to I be agree. deep into the I season. Agree. Preferably an SEC game. I would love to wear it. I think that Mississippi State game in 2017 would have been perfect. Uh, I think the Auburn game last year would have been perfect. But if you want to make it a reward system... I think if Georgia is able to, and this will not always work this way, but if Georgia wins the East, you you go to Kentucky, whatever, you win the East, the next home game, you're rewarded by wearing black. So Texas A&M? Texas A&M would be the, yeah, (laughs) which which would make a lot of fans cringe. I get that. But Texas A&M has uh, bastardized their uniforms, and they wore that leather version a couple Ah, years ago. Yeah, but just spoiler alert for those out there, I hate to break this news to you. You may not believe me. There is no curse with the black jerseys. Not There's not. There's zero curse. It doesn't happen. There is curse that with way. that thing they trotted out against Boise State <laughs> yeah. in Atlanta. That was yeah. that was terrible. And just just I I grew to love the white jerseys mm-hmm. in 2017. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of really good memories we have: the Rose Bowl, the SEC Championship, blanking Tennessee 41 nothing, beating the crap out of Florida, like we did for the first time in my lifetime. That was when I really just grew to love the white. It was never a, on my radar, but now. I get giddy when I see the white jerseys. Good point. All right, your Mount Rushmore. Oh, and this is going to be a little bit of a different take. We spoke about this at the beginning, not to get too down or sad right now, but your Mount Rushmore of Atlanta slash UGA disappointments. Disappointments. Oh, just, goodness. Just okay. whatever comes to mind. Because I was a child, 1996 World Series, the Braves are up two games to none. Mm-hmm. Jim Laritz goes ham Off in Walters. Fulton County Stadium. And uh, I really felt that was going to be the beginning. In fact, John Smoltz is on record of saying, had they not lost that World Series, he believes the Braves would have won like three more after Could that. be, yeah. So I think that steamrolled. Uh, th- uh, as far as Georgia football, it, this is going to sound really weird. I was more disappointed by the 2012 SEC championship game than I was the national championship. If I had to pick one of those two, mm-hmm. I, I actually believe the 2012 was more because we were so – Desperate, We were so starving. And then watching Alabama did what it did to Notre Dame following that, I, I just think that would have turned this program into something that maybe we're starting to see the beginnings of now. I mean, I, I listen, I, that's a big, long debate. If you could change that play, would you? Because would that mean that Kirby Smart's now at South Carolina and Mark Rick maybe is still here? Possibly. I, I don't know how you can draw that out. But I would put that as another number two. Uh, as far as Atlanta sports, the Super Bowl is, yeah. is dreadful. Uh, it's funny because I'm wearing a Falcons pullover right now, but I'm not a diehard to the bone Falcons fan. I love them because they're an Atlanta sports team, but uh, I would trade. I, I guess you could say I would far prefer winning one national championship with Georgia as opposed to 10 Super Bowls with the Falcons. But that being said, that night uh, when I had some friends over watching that thing and we legitimately started celebrating when we went up 28 to three and I was texting, I was texting my friends making plans for the parade that Tuesday and to watch that thing just slowly slip away. I, I don't want to make a a joke about mental health because it's a very serious thing, but I think I was in a clinical state of depression like many of us were for at least a solid month. And then to have other fans dangle that it's still a saying today and it always will be. For anybody not a Falcons fan, 28-3, if I were to wear this in a non-Atlanta setting, I'm going to get ridiculed, and we will until we win a Super Bowl, and we probably will after that. 
Oh, sure, it, it's, sure. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, and we probably never will win a Super Bowl. Yeah. But, uh, my, you know, two things I'd like to add to that. Mm-hmm. The baseball loss to Fresno State when they had won yeah. game one and then lost game two and three. And then also mm-hmm. when it comes to basketball, I think it was 1996, the Sweet 16, mm-hmm. John Wallace half-court shot to beat mm-hmm. Georgia at the buzzer. We were going to the Elite Eight. Uh, it was a great team with like Pertha Robinson and Carlos Strong. Uh, Tubby was coaching. Yeah, I'd have to add those to it. Um, all right, so moving on, quick yes, no, okay. and maybe a quick explanation mm-hmm. of why you say this. Has Georgia reached a turning point to be a perennial top ten? Because if you think back to 2016, we were eight and five. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 17, 18. 19, 20, 21, have we reached that turning point? Yes, absolutely. I think Georgia will be in the top five conversation for the foreseeable future. I think what Kirby has shown he can do in the recruiting world, and it it isn't just Georgia guys, he's recruiting nationally. I have no doubt in my mind Georgia will be up there. What I do warn Georgia fans about is I'm not sure we're going to reach the top until Nick Saban is no more. What we're watching at Tuscaloosa is special. I know that he drives us all crazy, but we will tell our grandchildren one day, I got to see Nick Saban coach. He, he is the best that's ever done it. Right. I think until that happens that Georgia will be right in the thick of conversation. As we've seen, Georgia can beat those teams. It's just before we're number one, that has to change. But yes, I think Georgia is here to stay for the foreseeable future. We finally made it to where we've, we've made it to where we thought we've been the whole time, but now we're actually there, <laughs> we're actually if that there. makes sense. Yeah. So uh, what players, maybe one on offense, one mm-hmm. on defense, that's maybe under the radar, are you most excited about for spring through fall camp? On offense, James Cook. I think he is going to have a much, much bigger role in the offense, not just taking handoffs. Think of Alvin Kamara, what the Saints do with him. I think if James Coley can really figure out what he has in James Cook, he can be that. I think there's a name for it. They call it the freak position. I think he can do a lot of different things. And, and a lot of folks will say of the running backs, oh, Zamir White, I'm thoroughly excited about him, and I have high hopes that he'll be a household name. I just need to see it first. But, uh, yeah, James Cook, man, watch out for that guy. And, and one that on defense that I honestly did not even think about until the Sugar Bowl, I cannot wait to see what a fully healthy Devon Wilson can do. That guy came yeah, he out. He showed of, up, and you're like, "Wait a minute, wasn't he I hurt?" Th- I thought he had knee injury, right. <laughs> and he did yeah, have a knee did, injury. Did that count? That did, was he <laughs> able to play and get a red shirt? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that he only played in one game. That's he will. That he will be a change really helps, and that's why he played in the Sugar Bowl. Obviously, he would not have played if it was not in in effect. But being that he was such a ball hawk, he reminded me, and I, I don't even have names on the top of my head, but some of those Alabama secondary members that were just everywhere. I would like to think in a Kirby Smart system, that kid looked like a freak. He looked like he should have been wearing an Alabama jersey, if you get what I'm saying when I say that. It it felt like that. So I think next year, keep him healthy. I I think he's going to be a very pleasant surprise for a lot of us. Are we going to see eight teams in the college football playoff anytime soon? I think so. I I think sooner rather than later, honestly. Uh, What is We're going into the 2019 season in 2022. 2022 or 2023 one of those two I think it's sooner rather than later would you like to see that I think so and I want the I want the opening round to be played on campus sure I think that would create atmospheres that we as Georgia fans don't even realize how big it would be if, if you're talking about early December and you and I sitting here in, in Watkinsville Georgia thinking hey in three days Ohio State's coming to town with everything on the line to advance obviously that's going to be cool. Yeah. That's going to be, and for anybody out there, and I've made this argument that says, oh, that's too much. It will dilute the playoff. 
look me in the eye and tell me you're not going to watch all four of those games. And I, I'm assuming they would do it over two days, play two games, two games. I don't care who it is. That's going to create some campus atmospheres that we as college football fans don't even know how big it would be. So I'm, I'm definitely an advocate for it. I think it'd be fantastic. So since you're with Cox now, do you do any play-by-play or have or color or have you in the past or is that something that would be interesting to you? And then the final part of that question, not that there's anything wrong with Scott Howard, but when he does move on, who would you like to see in 15 years as the next voice of the Bulldogs? The next Maybe voice it's you. Ah, now, see, I have no interest. I'll just flat okay, out so, say it. So I, that's no. the answer to the first question. Right. Yeah, I, I, it's something that – but here's the thing. I, three years ago, four years ago, if you had told me that you'd be working for a radio station talking every day, I would have slapped you in the face and said, absolutely not. I have no skill for radio. I would have said, that is not for me. Now it's something I thoroughly enjoy, and I like to think I'm decent at it. I, I, I enjoy doing it. I got you on this podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> it got me, got me in filling one of my big dreams of sitting with you. Uh, as far as who, that, that's a really good question. I, I don't know who's even in line for it. I mean, Dave Johnson and Jeff Dantzler both do a phenomenal job with, with all of their you know, baseball Chip play Carey. calling. Maybe. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, would, would they go outside of who's already here? I mean, the thing is, is Scott's so young. No, oh, I know, I know. And he, I'm not trying, trust forever, me, I'm yeah. not trying to pour uh, dirt on Scott's <laughs> grave. I think he does a yeah. great job. No, I've, I've gotten to know Scott a little bit over the years. Phenomenal. Just a joy to be around. I think he does a great job. One of the favorite things I like to do is when I go to the games, I don't, I don't listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so driving back with my mm-hmm. boys, Georgia does a really good job, or, or Scott's Twitter account does a really good job of putting the highlights mm-hmm. in like a minute and a half on SoundCloud yep. or something. He tweets it out, so I always go to UGA Voice and stream it in my car so we can hear the yep. touchdown calls. Here, the most impressive thing, and I think it's a, an ultimate compliment I can give Scott Howard, is that nobody wants to follow a legend in anything. And he's actually done it. And he's done it, and he's done a really good job at it. So for me, listening to Scott Howard, that is in my mind right now, and obviously today, the voice of Georgia football and other sports as well. Whereas I guess I'll just flat out say it. I expected him to not fail per se, but I did not expect him to adapt to the role like he has. And you remember his first game, 2007, Alabama, Georgia, the the, the one and done walk off. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, he's done. He's done phenomenal. I, I, I I don't foresee any change anytime soon. But that, 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 I, I don't have an answer for you, but that is a good thing to ponder. Might be somebody we don't even... Who would be Maybe, maybe they're in Grady uh, yeah. School of Journalism it's, right now. I hope so. Yeah. It's a great school. All right. Uh, something about mm-hmm. Athens. Your, just your favorite spot on campus. I love walking through campus, even as a, a removed from school for several years. I think the best kept secret on the University of Georgia campus is Lake Herrick. Oh, yeah. And they and just redid it. They redid it. It is a crown jewel. That's of right the near the intramural now. fields. It's just right now. It actually, right. It, it, it connects to the intramural fields. That was sort of a forgotten entity. In fact, when I was a student just a few years ago, I would walk a lot. I had my dog on campus. I'd walk him and every once in a while, somebody would join me. <clears throat> we would walk around Lake Herrick and multiple times they'd say, I had no idea this was on campus and there's the wooded trails and the lake is beautiful. But now that they have redone that and big shout out, I think it's the environmental science. I'm not not sure if I'm saying that right. Whoever had their thumbprint on rebuilding that thing, kudos to you because that is phenomenal now. So, but it's still a place it's one gorgeous and two, it's still a secret. So you can go there and kind of have a very uh, uh, serene, quiet setting and it's just beautiful. But aside from that North campus can't go wrong anywhere. I, I love that place. What's the best vista to see a game in Sanford? What seat area? You know, most like we sit in 118. I've been there for years. 
I haven't really seen a game in other places. I'm sure you've kind of been a little bit more around. Where yeah. would you sit if you could pick anywhere to sit? My wife a, and I have season game? tickets, and we sit in section 301, which is on the, the middle tier, all the way, the very last section. We're above the visiting band. I actually, I think it's a phenomenal view. I, I don't think it's the best. I'll give that to my in-laws seats. And maybe it's just because I have nostalgia for it. Uh, they sit in 336, I believe, which is, I think it might be the section the lone trumpeter does its thing right before kickoff. And they're in like row four, but the, the angle, the being on the home side, you and I both, and a lot of folks know it's good to be on that shaded side of the stadium, yeah. especially in September. Especially against Austin P. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, noon kickoffs, man. I'll tell you. Actually, that was a three thirty kickoff, but still, uh, it, it's good to be shaded. But I love that side. Now, I like the angle view. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that, that when you're in the corner of the end zone, I prefer that to a fifty yard line view. To be honest with you, yeah. I, it's something about it I really love. But I would say that corner, if you can get as close to that trumpeter as you can get. And, and I like the third level. I like being that up top view. So that's what I would suggest. Okay. If you're looking at Seat Geek, look at 336. 336. <clears throat> All right. So your go-to comfort food spot in mm. Athens. Comfort food spot. I, I find myself going here a lot clocked, the, the burgers yeah. joint. I, I, the milkshake to die tater for. Tots. Tater tots. You get the cheese goop on them as well. And yeah, I said, I, I said goop, by the way. It's, it's, it's it? a big old dollop of cheese they just put on. They, they don't call, they don't call it that. I call. I'm not much of a milkshake guy, but I yeah. will encourage my children to order a milkshake when we go to clock. Yeah, good stuff. So it's uh, we always, for some reason, just lately when I've, because I don't live in Athens anymore. I live 20 minutes outside of it. But the days we do <clears throat> venture into downtown Athens, I find myself eating a clocked burger. Pimento cheese, by the way. Nobody's going to argue with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so your favorite SEC campus other than Georgia? Tennessee. Yeah, and, and I've heard people say they hate that place. I, for one, think that setting on the river is just gorgeous. I think it's beautiful. The colors are all off. I hate that creamsicle <laughs> orange. Obviously, we all do. But I think what they have in the Vol Navy is really a special thing. I'll, I guess, toot my own horn a little bit. But I, I do know somebody that works for a very large bank in Tennessee. They have a houseboat in that Navy. So when I do go, I get to hang out on the houseboat. So I do. I have gotten to see it from that side. And, and it's it's awesome. It is just spectacular. I think the just the setting on the river is cool. I mean, we tailgated right underneath that bridge near Calhoun's. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Calhoun's is a good spot too. It is. A, and the great thing about going to games up there <clears throat> is that their fans leave early, and so it's a, it's an easy trek out of there. Well, the the one thing I also love about Tennessee, I just I'm a sucker for the mountains. I love the the Teleco Plains area. I like the Great Smoky Mountains up in a Townsend. We get with our friends. We get a cabin every other year. We get up there about Thursday night. We'll hang out in the cabin, do some hiking, enjoy that fall in the mountains, and go to the football game and come back. November, you're going to be freezing. I I, I talked to on one of our shows. I pulled in a friend of mine that does uh, radio for Knoxville, the Mm -hmm. Fox Sports Knoxville. They cover the Vols, and I asked him. I said, you know, switching this thing, what can we expect? And he said, you never know. Exactly what we would tell them. Maybe Georgia's first snow game ever. That would be awesome. That would be fantastic. (laughs) Actually, I'm not rooting for it, but it'd be, it'd be a spectacle. It could happen. I'm one of six people that likes that change, by the way. I don't mind it. I don't mind it I don't hate it either. And really, Tony and Will Mm -hmm. were kind of on record like, eh, people people can complain about anything, but I'm not going to complain about that. All right, so your most objectionable SEC team and your most objectionable national team, it could be any sport. I think I know what they are. Any like we've already covered that. Like, who do I like? You mean or is that objectionable? Like you hate? Oh, the New Orleans Saints. I I think, in honest, I I might hate the Saints more than I love the Falcons. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's weird. I, I know it, but I love their misery. In fact, we're talking about this on Mardi Gras week. I don't know if you've seen. They're still bitter. They've got oh, yeah. floats about those they reds. They are it. miserable down there right now. Long story, very, they did very get hosed. They did. Oh, they right. got robbed. And that's what makes me like it so much <laughs> is that they should have probably won that Super Bowl in Atlanta. They would sure. have beaten the Patriots. Oh, yeah. I think so. But a long story, very short with no explanation. Part of that hatred stems from an ex-girlfriend. Fair we'll, enough. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. do that on the Patreon <laughs> version of this podcast, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, all right, just a couple more. Uh, if UGA and Atlanta didn't exist, who would you pull for, college Ooh. and pro? College and pro. I'm actually from a very large North Carolina family. I'm born and raised in Georgia, but I've got tons of family in North Carolina. I have no problem rooting for the Tar Heels. Uh, in basketball, I actually like the Tar Heels. In bat- I don't like over the top make it advertise that, but but I've got a lot of family that went there. I hate Duke with a passion, so I've already got some Tar Heel in my blood, I guess. But that that's the most. It, it's the it's the college program I have no ill will towards. I don't own a piece of clothing with a logo on it, but I, I right. Don't, I get it. I don't dislike them at all, and I would root for them in a lot of scenarios. And what what pro team? <sighs> pro team, like say MLB, real quick. I'm drawing a blank. I I I, I love okay. I love baseball. I thoroughly do, but I can't watch a major league game the Braves aren't in. I can't just sit down and watch. I I don't hate the Red Sox if I have to come up with an answer. Okay. The Red Sox are sort of the American League team. I guess we all in, in Atlanta naturally hate New York teams. They equally hate them as bad, and they they've recently been causing them misery. So if I had to pick one, I guess the Red Sox. But I don't have any. So in a, NFL, NFL, uh, the Rams, I guess, but, sure, that, but yeah, that's only recently because of Todd of George, Gurley and, and Gurley, the, yeah. the ties there. Uh, and I like LA. I've, I've learned, I learned, I did not know it until I went there for the Rose Bowl that LA is kind of cool. Yeah. I had no clue. And I guess NBA <laughs> doesn't really matter. It doesn't. No, it's, I, I grew up in the, in the nineties. I was a big Orlando magic fan. Cause I loved Shaq. The Shaq, Penny Hardaway, Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott, uh, Horace Grant. I loved those guys. But since that all has been deciphered, I don't think about them at all. But if I had to pick one, there you go. Okay. Orlando Magic. All right. So think about this. Future scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, the ultimate team you would like to see come here to play in Athens in football, basketball, baseball, and let's say women's basketball because I guess that would be UConn. It's clump them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, UConn. And so I have to – one team to do Just all of it? one team sometime in the next five years that you would love to see play in Sanford, play in Stegman, and play at Foley Field. Let's bring Oregon in. Why not? Well, I mean, we're playing Oregon, Oregon but yeah, we're, we're camera, in, in but, but I wish we were playing him in everything. I think it's just a, it's a cool program. It, it's one that I think it marinates a lot with kids and whatnot. But I think well, I guess them, another another thing you'd need to think about is the return trip. Yeah. And so you'd get to go out to Eugene. Yeah. Well, here, I, I, we were supposed to do that. Right. Uh, 2016, I think, was scheduled before that got that axed. That conversation comes up a lot. It's like who should Georgia schedule? Not in the elite class. But just somebody to schedule, you know, other than an Austin P. Middle Tennessee State. Right. I would love, and a lot of folks will think I'm crazy for this. I think a home and home with Tulane would be phenomenal. There's history there. Tulane is a founding member of the SEC. It's a guaranteed win. It's a guaranteed win. Let's play them Labor Day to start the season. I could go to New Orleans for Labor Day. I'm all about going to New Orleans. New Orleans is a really fun city. I hate their professional football team, but that is a fine city. What so, about uh, basketball? Because the, the reason why I thought basketball to mm-hmm. add to it. I was at the Georgia UNC game mm-hmm. uh, when we went to overtime. It was Antoine Jamison, Ed Coda, mm-hmm. Vince Carter. 
Um, that and was it was a squad, phenomenal. man. That was a squad. Uh, so I, who would you like to see? And we've had some good matchups here. Well, we had Texas. But. Let's bring any of the, the North Carolina teams in. North Carolina, Duke, yeah. NC State, Wake Forest. I think it's a shame that we're so close. That we don't play. And we never play each other in basketball. Now, they would love to play us because they look at us as a guaranteed win. Well, maybe for now. Look at maybe for Georgia, now. Georgia, Atlanta area is recruiting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm shocked it hasn't happened. I'm hoping that Coach Crean – Maybe changes some of those philosophies. Yeah, I, I think he would love happen. to. Yeah, go play at uh, Cameron. Yeah, let's do it. Oh man, that that's Try to get that. tickets to that. I, I mentioned a minute ago. I hate Duke. Just as a North Carolina family, I, nothing personal. Right. I just don't like Duke. But Cameron is very high on my bucket list of something I want to experience. Mm-hmm. Those guys are great fans. Great setting. Great atmosphere. I would love if Georgia play there just to make it that much sweeter. That'd be awesome. And then think back to the super regionals we've had. We've had Florida State come up mm-hmm. here before NC State. Who would you like to see come play here in a super regional? Ah, uh, Florida State's great. I mean, who's who's like is outside of our conference? That like we, maybe like a, a I don't know UCLA or yeah UCLA would be a lot of fun. Uh, well, LSU already comes here because they're part of the SEC. But again, I think North Carolina is another one of those teams that they're, they're pretty good, good. In baseball too. They're very good, and it's 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 a shame that we've only seen North Carolina in a Chick Fil A kickoff. Uh, just quick, just a snap of fingers. Hello, how you doing? Goodbye where we don't have more campus interaction with those guys. Right. For all sports, really. I mean, I maybe agree. you can make that over Oregon. I would prefer to just start tangling with North Carolina more often. I think it'd be great. All right, so here's the final question. And if you can't do this because of <laughs> contractual reasons, that's fine. But I'm going to read off the 2019 schedule. I want you to just say win or loss. Okay. All right, so opening weekend, Labor Day weekend, right? Yeah, Labor yeah. Day weekend. At Vanderbilt. I think that's an easy win. Okay, then we come back home uh, against Murray State. Yeah, Are they win. the Racers? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. They're the yeah. Racers. I think of them in basketball more than I do football. Definitely a win, win. there. Win. Arkansas State's win. third week. And then we got Notre Dame rolling in. I've, I, we were talking about this on our show on Monday morning. For some reason, and maybe I'm a fool, I do not fear Notre Dame at all. And uh, Maybe it's because of what happened to Clemson. I just think that this year Georgia's going to take that next step into being a really legitimately good football team. And I think getting them here in Athens, I think the atmosphere is going to be insane. I've joked. I think tickets are going to go. I've right now today. I was curious. I looked in my section three hundred one. They're about five fifty. A piece. Yeah, and as long as Notre Dame stays in the top five, which looking at their schedule, they probably will. Those are going to be maybe eight hundred dollar tickets, maybe more. Probably a game day atmosphere because I haven't been here. I wouldn't. Why wouldn't it? But I, I think Georgia actually wins that game by ten. I think it's a night game, eight o'clock kickoff. I think so. Yeah, that on CBS. In fact. uh, it's not official yet, but but if you really do the math, you break that down. Notre Dame had in the contract the TV rights to the first one, mm-hmm. which is why we played on NBC. Uh, coming back, I think it's ESPN, which is also the SEC network, owns the rights to the second one. So that rules out 330 CBS. You know, it's not going to happen there. And that thing's not going to be noon. There is no way they're no. going to have that as a noon kickoff. So I would bet the farm it's going to be a 730 or 8 o'clock kickoff. I right. hope so, <laughs> but no, we're going to start tailgating Tuesday of that week. By the way, we got to. Well, I think that's going to be will. awesome. Oh yeah, think about think about all the Air- Airbnb revenue of some smart Athens people yeah. renting their houses out. Yeah. Um, all right, then I think there's a bye week. There's two bye weeks mm-hmm. this year, uh, and then it's at Tennessee. That's another win. I, they'll be better, but they're nowhere near talent wise. Even with uh, Jim Cheney up no, there, they, they they're 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 rising. Yeah. They're legitimately going to get better, but they're not there yet. So is this the end of uh, Muschamp? Because then South Carolina comes in the week after that. Here's the thing about Muschamp. I think their fans like him, but after this season, he's going to be 0-8 against Georgia and Clemson. I don't know how many coaches can stand 
the test of time when you're losing to your rivals like that. I think he'll have one more season after this one. He'll he'll be coaching in 2020, but that might be it for Muschamp. So uh, six wins, six yeah. and zero oh, through that, and then you got Kentucky coming in. They're yeah. probably going to have a slip back. Oh, they'll they're they're losing all their big playmakers. That's a that's a twenty point win for Georgia easily. Week off, and then uh, Jacksonville. Florida fans think they're right on par with us. They legitimately they they are staunch in their feelings that they are as good, if not better, than Georgia. That's delusion right now. Georgia, what we're seeing right now, okay, think back to our misery as sports fans, as we've talked about right here, the 90s and the 2000s, Georgia, Florida. What did we always think? We are as good as Florida. We can beat Florida, but year in and year out, they showed that the talent gap was just too much to overcome. Now, yeah, Georgia got a couple wins here and there, but that's where we are now with them. We have flipped the script. So that's another game, and call me crazy, I don't fear it. I, I think until they prove they can get it back to our level, I don't think they're anywhere near it. I, th- I think we win that game convincingly once again. Nice. And it feels so weird saying that no, because no, of I, our I think age. A lot of the listeners would agree with you. Yeah, that, that's a game that for my entire life I've looked at as up. Oh, let's go lose in Jacksonville. Right. right. I vowed uh, never to go back until we won two in a yeah. row, and I've, I've now, broken now you got to go. Yeah. yeah. This would uh, be. A, I think this would be a good year to get tickets. It would be. I think. I, know. I think I'm going to order some. Yeah. All right, then you got uh, you come back home against Missouri. They're, they don't Kelly Bryant. In my, I know, but it, that's who else? Name one more Missouri player uh, outside. Barry of Odom. You you can. That's the coach. In the 90s. <laughs> no, just as as a casual football fan, anybody like name a couple playmakers at Missouri. You can't do yeah, it. Uh, who is it? Doro Green Beckham's not walking no, through he's, that door. He's, and Georgia shut him down. <laughs> Actually, what was the old joke that Georgia and the Missouri cops both were able to shut down? Ooh. Doriel Greenbeck. There yeah. you go. No, that it, I know that I'm I'm sounding like a major homer right now, but I'm just I'm believing that we are better than these programs right now. All right, then you go down to the Plains against Auburn. That's the one that scares me the most, and I think just that atmosphere in Auburn. They have such a home field advantage. They do, and and I've only been there once. Surprisingly, I, I don't know how I've never been there more than that. But it was the darn prayer at Jordan Hare. That was a pep rally for the Auburn fans from kickoff until the end. Even when Georgia clawed back into that thing. Oh, sure. It was a raucous, raucous atmosphere. But again, I'm going right back to sounding like a red and black glasses homer. I think Georgia's talent this year is very, very good. And I think we have what it takes to handle a Jarrett Stidhamless. Yeah, Yeah. that's something we've been excited about. For the first time since 20. 14, Georgia will have an upperclassman at quarterback. Yeah, was it Aaron Murray was the last Well, one? Hudson Mason was the year after, but he was a one-year starter. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to having somebody that has been in that system and is now an upperclassman. I just think Georgia is better than Auburn right now. So let's see. That's uh, 10 games. Yeah. That's 10-0. Georgia starts the season 10-0, probably ranked 1, 2, 3, or probably. 4, depending on everybody else. Then you got Texas A&M. No cupcake game before no. Georgia Tech. Texas A&M. You got the cupcake games at the early part of the season. Again, I feel like I'm supposed to pick a loss here because, hey, you can't just pick Georgia to go undefeated. But once again, I think Texas A&M is beneath us right now. I think Georgia is head and shoulders above what they have. Now, they're losing their – I can't think of the running back's name who impressed me a lot last year. Uh, forgive me, I'm not prepared for this, but but they're losing a lot is my point off their roster. Now, so is Georgia. I get that. But Georgia has – they're in year two recruiting under – uh, Jimbo. Jimbo Fisher. Whereas this will be the year that Georgia fans will see that all of this recruiting hype that Kirby's been putting together 
you're really going to start seeing that. Nobody's seen uh, who's a, a dean, mm-hmm. the the number one recruit, yeah, on campus, and no. he could be a wrecking yeah. crew by then. Absolutely. So it's I'm excited for that. I, I sound like a homer. I get it. Yeah. But I, I'm not. I don't want to apologize for it either. No, I, I really believe no. what I'm what I'm saying. I'm, right now. I mean, you're kind of convincing me, and even though I was a little <laughs> bit, uh, I was less bullish than you are on this. And then and then the season finale at Georgia Tech I and can Collins. Not wait for that <laughs> game. And and the reason is is because finally for the first time I don't fear them I, I I've known we yeah Paul Johnson had a that who if they get if he's got it going if they just have a good game and let's just say Georgia didn't prepare the way Georgia should have they right. could slide right by us I think 2008 ruined us because sure. we saw the frustration it was and ever since then and sure they beat us what three or two times after that uh, was it 2014, 2016? Both at home. Both at home mm-hmm. here. I always, always had a fear of that offense. Mm-hmm. This year, though, and listen, I, I think Jeff Collins will make them better in time. But this year, with the roster he has running a pro-style offense, Georgia should win that game 75-3 to if it wants to. And I have never, this this may surprise you, I have never been to a Georgia-Georgia Tech game in Bobby Dodd. Oh, okay. I will pay good money this year to watch the bloodbath I'm expecting in Bobby Dodd because Georgia should run them into the ground at will. And again, they're going to get better, but the roster they have right now was recruited by Paul Johnson to run a triple option, and they're going to try to go man-to-man with Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson Good luck with that. And if I could uh, recommend uh, the seating yeah. in there, get the upper deck okay. on the west side, which is, is behind. Is that the, the view of the bench. city? Yeah, you get the yeah. view of the city. It's it's hey, it's worth the hey, price of admission right there. I, I said earlier, I hate Georgia Tech. I am not above admitting they have a cool stadium. They do. They have a really and it's cool great stadium. when it's half red and half oh, yeah. uh, or less than half uh, gold. No, I, I will pay. If anybody listening has tickets, you're going to sell. Keep me in mind. I'd like to. So that, for a fair so value. I didn't have I didn't want you to project everything, but you have us at twelve and zero. It, it sounds crazy, doesn't and it? And then the following week would be the first week of December where there's an SEC championship game, and there's probably a West <sighs> team looming. Maybe we already played them mm-hmm. or knocked a potential uh, opponent out. But I mean, I'm going to guess you're you're just going to say Alabama's going to show up there, and it's going to be part three. I mean, it seems like a fait accompli, if that's the Latin word that I need to use there. This is where our feelings that we outlined earlier about being a Georgia and Atlanta sports fan come back. Because until I see Georgia beat Alabama, I'm not going to feel confident beating Alabama. In fact, I'm going to expect Georgia not only to lose to Alabama, but do it in the most gut-wrenching, make-me-want-to-pull-what-hair-I-have-left-out-of-my-head type of way because that's just what we do it's what it, yeah. i'm saying we as sports fans no, we right. expect that i mean but here's the thing if, if you want me to get all rosy again i do think that this year georgia and alabama will be a much better head-to-head matchup than it was last year i think georgia played the perfect game except for the way they defended uh, uh jalen hurts. jalen hurts yeah and you can say the same thing about the game prior to that against Tua. i think georgia was the Okay, talent-wise, I think Alabama was the best team both of those times. I think this year they're more even. And that being said, I would have higher hopes, but because of our grain of fiber of our being, I I agree. I I will expect to lose that game. But with that schedule, the 12-0, then losing that one, are we talking playoff even with that loss to SEC? 
to the SEC championship game. I mean, it, it's it all depends precedent. on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know there's, that, there's but precedent. It's it's we'll see. Uh, so if they did happen to get past Alabama, and think about the ink being spilled over this potential Final Four: Georgia, Oklahoma, Washington. Ohio State with Jacob Eason, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, and Jake Fromm. It's crazy, isn't it? And, <laughs> but, but, it but it's happen. so realistic. It that's happen. the thing. It's very realistic. And and that's I'm glad you brought that up because if outside of Athens and University of Georgia football, the thing I'm looking forward to most of fall of 2019 is seeing Jacob Eason play football. Sure. I love that kid. I, I wish it would have worked out for him here, but but I'm not against at all what's happening now with Jake Fromm. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I love that we have Jake Fromm, but I, I really, I always sort of wonder, like, what if he stayed healthy? You know, you never know. Yeah, because you just, remember that throw right before Tennessee hit the Hail Mary mm-hmm. to Riley Ridley, where he just threaded the needle and <laughs> driving him down. And he had about three or four comeback the, victories. The kid, the kid, I'm expecting him to be special. I really think he's going to be a top three or four NFL draft pick very soon. Uh, funny you mentioned pictures, by the way. That's another really good picture I took. I lucked into it of Ridley catching that ball. In the background behind him is like Harry Dog doing the big. It's just a great photo. I hate that photo. Yeah, I no, hate that photo horrible. because I know exactly yeah. what happened right after that. So I have not done anything with it except every once in a while look and be like, man, that's a good photo. I hate that photo. Yeah, it's weird how that works. I've, I've taken good shots that have bad memories attached to them. We've talked about on past episodes famous plays in Georgia history that aren't famous anymore mm-hmm. because of what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the one that comes to mind was back in the early 2000s. I think it was 03 when we played at LSU. Mm-hmm. Tyson Browning took a screen pass 93 yards yeah. in Tiger Stadium to put us up. And then I think Justin <laughs> Vincent and whoever the quarterback was, they came back and, and beat us in a heartbreaker. But that's one of those plays, like you just mentioned, that would have been just championed up there with the Michael Johnson yeah. catch uh, on the Plains against Auburn, or Mikey Henderson against Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of lost to like, yeah. oh, that was awesome, but we lost the game. That's one of them. That that that, that hail mary was gut wrenching. Yeah, man. absolutely. Gut-wrenching. But we have the Rose Bowl to to put on our shoulders and, and champion on. And, and I, I'm I'm feeling good. I don't yeah. lose sleep over that hail mary anymore. No, no. Tennessee fans will still try to throw it at you, but to me, it's just sort of it makes me laugh. Well, now. the year that we beat them forty-one nothing, mm-hmm. they were doing they were recreating that in their spring game. Like they had celebrities out there Good. at the yard line, seeing if they could throw it like Josh Dobbs yeah. did into like a cutout cardboard thing. That's, that's Tennessee. That's for funny. Yeah, got to got to do what you got to do if you're Tennessee. But no, it, it doesn't bother me at all anymore. In fact, I'm in. A, this is going to sound so weird, but in a way, I'm sort of glad that I was able to witness a play like that, even though it went against my team. But it was still in hindsight because it meant nothing. Tennessee didn't go on to win a national championship. Georgia was not going right. to win a national championship. It was just a play that did not go our way. But to be in a stadium where even even it was your team just got the energy whoosh, yeah. sucked, out. sucked out. It was kind of cool's not the right word. It was it was an experience. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't there, there's no way I can explain to you how that felt. Mm-hmm. Now, it's that being said, I joke with my wife all the time that I want to see a similar win with Georgia and Florida one year. There's nothing healthy about that happening because that means you're going to be losing up to the last second at the 50-yard line. But my like unrealistic sports bucket list, I really want to so watch want, Georgia want, win on a Hail Mary. You want to see Georgia beat Florida on a Hail Mary? Hail Mary, because yes, I do. didn't Florida beat Tennessee on a Hail Mary? So that they would did. complete the that, triumvirate that, that, of What do they call it? The, the circle of suck? Is Something that what they call like it? Something like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would. No, it, it's such a weird request because, like I said, that would mean that you're losing to Florida – with a second to go at midfield. But 
Can you imagine that feeling, walking out of Jacksonville, having just crushed their souls on a Hail Mary? It would be unbelievably awesome. I just, I just want, I want to experience that. Well, that's something that um, <laughs> our dear listeners can make it happen in their memory banks. There you go. And maybe, maybe we'll will that to victory. Just, just something like that. But Logan, I appreciate you taking on short notice. Yeah, actually, I just tweeted at you uh, earlier this afternoon to see if you'd want to come on over. And I think this was, I think this is going to be really enjoyable to a lot of Georgia fans uh, being able to kind of get caught up, you know, in the doldrums of March. <laughs> Freezing March. No, I'm I'm glad you're doing that. I'm excited to see who else you talk to because this is a time of year where working in sports media, sometimes you have to kind of grasp and and try to find stuff. Now, there's always things to to talk about, but for the the sports that we love, yeah, we're entering that that dry period. So we'll we'll get there. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. And uh, as Tony and Will, always in the show with the nice Go Dogs, I'm going to let you take us out with the Go Dogs, just your best version (laughs) of it. No pressure. And uh, and we'll see you on the flip side. Go dogs! Sick em. Woof, woof, woof. Nice. Thanks so much for listening. And on behalf of Tony and Will, I'd like to thank Logan for taking time out of his schedule to sit down with me and share his insights on his job and his Georgia Bulldog fandom. You can find Logan on Twitter at Logan M. Booker and on Instagram at LoganMB83. And since this is the first time for this newly named Spotlight Series, let us know what you think. Feel free to send us any suggestions on any people, or I guess it would have to be people, it can't be. Anyway, suggestions on any people whom you think we should interview, hit us up on Twitter at WSLS Podcast. Tony, Will, and I should be back with another episode where it's just the three of us. Go figure, sometime at the end of this month. And with G-Day around six weeks away, we'll see you on campus next month for some tailgating, or as Tony likes to call it, practice tailgating for the big 2019 season. Have a great rest of your week, and as always, go dogs.